This podcast is produced by Unedited. Hello, people, and welcome to The Dreamer's Disease. My name is Alex Manzi, and on each episode, we'll hear the inspirational story from someone who's really out there and following their passions and, you know, making a real go at what they love for a living. And hopefully we can take a little bit of the insight, a little bit of the wisdom, some of their knowledge and apply it to our own day to day lives. On this week's episode, I'm joined by Chucky Online, who is a DJ, broadcaster and podcaster. And we had a really, really in-depth conversation talking about everything from how he first made his steps into music and DJing how his environment that he grew up in at home helped that. We also touched on the recent incident that happened on his own podcast with Reggie Yates where he was deemed to have said something quite derogatory to a certain demographic and how that affected him and his podcast and his thoughts and feelings on it. As well as diving into the biggest challenge that Chucky's had to overcome in his life and his career and, and how he's used that to help him push himself forward and why he wants to concentrate his future on simply his happiness and you know, there's a very powerful message in that. So before we jump in I'd like to thank you for listening, for checking it out. If you like what you hear make sure you head over to iTunes, hit that subscribe button. It's also available on SoundCloud and all of the other podcast apps. You can find it there. You can also follow the Instagram page at the underscore dreamers disease for daily bits of inspiration and tips and motivation. But right now, let's jump straight into the episode and hear Chucky's story. Who am I? I'm a human being. <laughs> no, I'm joking. Yeah, I'm Chucky online. Um, I'm a DJ and I'm a podcaster. Um, I like to play music. I do events. And I sit and I have conversations about music, about life, social stuff. And people seem to enjoy it. So in a nutshell, that's pretty much what I do. Yeah. I'm which a DJ is, event organiser and a podcaster. Yeah, which is sick because you, you live in three worlds which are quite separate but also quite interconnected. Mm. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Through the people you know and, you know, that I think that comes out a lot in the podcast, which I think is amazing. Yeah. And you're a West London kid. Yes. Um, what was the environment like where you grew up and you were raised? Well, the area that I grew up in was predominantly, like when I was young, it was predominantly a white area mm. and... Um, my high school was literally like it was predominantly white but I think like my year group was the first year group of there being it being a little bit more mixed mm. so there was like a few more Asians a few more blacks or whatever but above me there was hardly any blacks hardly any Asians yeah. or anything like that but <clears throat> I never had no in school I never really had no like mad problems other than one there was I had one racial yeah. situation in school and then other than that, it was cool. But yeah, like, my upbringing was pretty cool. I think that, like, I grew up, in hindsight, my my parents never had a lot. They didn't yeah. have a lot of money. But I never felt broke. Yeah. I never felt like I was a kid who was didn't have, had less than the next person, yeah. really. Do you know what I mean? Did you have a big family, or was it just... Yeah, so on one side of my family, on one side of my family, it's pretty quiet. My mum's side is quite small. My yeah. dad's side is massive. Uh, yeah. yeah, it's massive. So, and, and my cousins, we're all pretty close. Yeah. So there's like a lot of us that's pretty close. A lot of family politics and that when you have a big family. Yeah, of course. But, um, but yeah, like I never felt broke. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? I think I've even said before, there were times where like, I couldn't, I had a, I had a Nintendo. Yeah? yeah. So then like, I'd have one game, but then I couldn't really get another game until Christmas or until like my next birthday. But that wasn't a big thing. That wasn't a big deal. Do you yeah. know what I mean? That was just how it was. Yeah. You know what I mean? I never felt like, oh, I'm like, how comes 
you know, this person has got this and this person's got that. I, I didn't come from that. Yeah. I think my mum always tried to give me everything that she could and it was cool. I had family, friends, played football, yeah. caught a vibe. That yeah. was me. And it's it's crazy, right? Because, I mean, for me, it was the same. Like, I used to go to my next one neighbour's house and we used to play, like, Mortal Kombat on, I think it was, like, the Sega Mega Drive. Or yeah, it, was yeah. one, it was one of those consoles. And, like, to me, that was amazing because I didn't have that game. And yeah, he'd yeah. come to mine and we'd play games that he yeah. didn't have. And it was like, that's all we knew, was like yeah. going to just houses and playing football out the back or whatever. That used to be a thing. Like, yeah. going to my brethren's, yard, my brethren's yard or my cousin's house or whatever, I used to have a cousin called Morris who used to have everything. Every computer game, everything. <laughs> I think I might have been that kid as well. Is it, yeah? yeah? Oh my God, he had everything. And like, so we used to go there and play computer or I'd go to my other friend's house and play, or they'd come to my house. It's not like that anymore. Mm. Like, I see my little brother, yeah? And like, he will be, he will literally, for the whole summer, be in his room just playing computer and I'll be like yo go out go check it go play like go play computer with your friends yeah. but he's like to him he's thinking that's mad I didn't go to my friends and play computer I can just chat to him through the thing I could do it online yeah I could do it online like we don't yeah. need go to his yard that's that's weird yeah it's crazy because I, I actually posted something the other day about how our generation has lost the art of conversation yes because we don't have moments like this where you sit down with someone yeah, yeah, and just yeah. have a conversation yeah. like you're playing with your mate on computer but it's online you're not even in the same room well, this you're is whatsapping it. you're not even talking you're... this is it and that's why I think that you that stuff like that can birth a whole generation of socially awkward mm. kids Yeah. because they don't know how to interact with each other when they see each other yeah. they only know how to interact with each other in one medium which is through the computer or through the cyber world but not in actual reality yeah do you know what i mean and that's why i think it's important i find it i think it's important for young kids to go out and like do things like play football or go gymnastics or like go and just do something aside from just being at home and being on the computer yeah and then when you so when you were younger with such a big family how do you think that helped kind of develop your conversational skills because obviously in a big family you don't want to be just sat there quiet mm. or anything like that like did do you feel like that had a real impact with how you are now um not family not like i wouldn't say maybe maybe do you know what like maybe i think a lot of some of my friends came through my cousin's friends so like i used to go on my cousin's estate and I'd be amongst their friends and in that way I would end up just being friends with them or whatever and like I learned how to DJ through a fr like one of my friends that used to hang around with my cousins. I think the conversational aspect of like what I do today pretty much comes from my mum mm. and her husband and even my dad because see like with my mum and her husband a lot of the time they're always talking about if you go, if you have like Sunday dinner at my mum's house, for example, yeah, a lot of the time you'll see them have conversations about certain like music and things that, not even just the song, but things that were happening culturally yeah, yeah. around that time. Do you know what I mean? And I'm sitting there and I'm listening to these conversations and I think I inherited a bit of that. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? So I think that conversational aspect pretty much come from home, yeah. Yeah. like my proper home. Than it just being out on the on the yeah. Road, you know? Do you think it's important, like, because I said a lot of kids are missing out on that these days because yeah. they're not getting that conversation with their friends and stuff. Yeah, yeah, yeah which is yeah. crazy. But I always actually find it really good when I hear kids having a conversation. Yeah. Though I remember one time I was on a bus and I heard these kids talking about 
the the general election and I thought, yeah, fuck, yeah. that's mad. Yeah. I was thinking you lot are way advanced than I was. I weren't talking like that when I was that age. Yeah. But it was, even though a lot of the stuff that they were talking were were pretty inaccurate, it was just great that they were actually having a conversation. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? And it wasn't just like a, a, a group chat. Or yeah, it wasn't just a little group chat like yeah. with just some flipping generic shit that they hear just floating around they had actually had their own opinions of stuff yeah it's amazing really yeah, yeah. and so in terms of like your music stuff like you mentioned the DJing and get into that through mm. you know friends of your cousin or whatever what was that your first like real start in terms of making a career in what you do now well my dad was a DJ so like the first signs of that was through my dad yeah. so like I always remember being at my grand's house and my dad leaving the house saying yeah I'm playing out tonight you know, I'm DJing tonight or whatever and he was doing this he had a big record collection and stuff but um, he never taught me how to mix I was just always fascinated at watching him play like if I could go to a christening or whatever it was and watch my dad play that mm. was fascinating to me yeah. while all the kids are running up and down here there and everywhere I'm standing next to my dad mm. and I'm watching him you know what I mean dad can you play me the vanilla ice Yeah, you know what I mean <laughs> but um but yeah, like when I learned how to DJ properly, it was like I used to go to my cousin's estate and there used to be a, there was a guy on the estate called Jason Speed and he was like the only person on the estate who had decks. Yeah. And we used to always go to his house. I think we used to go to his house more so to play with his younger brother who was my age. Yeah, Joel. And yeah, we used to just play around but he had his older brother had decks. Yeah, yeah. So we used to be in there and like Sometimes we just play around, he let us muck around or whatever. But then when everyone else went out, I'd stay and then he would teach me how to like oh, really? yeah, how to beat oh, nice. match and, and yeah. do all that stuff. And then me and my my cousins, we had a crew. So like jungle was a big thing at the time. So I used to DJ, everyone else used to MC, and then in the end I thought, you know what? I can like these lot are just chatting shit. I just I literally remember just being in the room DJing one day and thinking these lot are chatting shit. I can do that. Mm. I can chat shit. So what I did was, I went on pirate radio, I listened to a lot of pirate radio, and I used to steal lyrics from like, some of the other jungle MCs and all of that. And then like, so I take some of their lyrics and I'll just like, remix it up a yeah. little bit. So then one day when we were making a tape, a tape. Yeah. yeah. Original. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> like, I just went there and I'm spitting like some of the like the bars and that yeah. and they're going crazy. You remember any of them now? Um, nah, no, not the jungle ones. I don't ever remember any of the jungle ones. But then Garage came, like Garage started to become a, quite a big thing. And then so again, we used to do like one side Garage, and, well one side jungle and then one side Garage. Yeah. 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 And then like, so I used to mix um, and then still take part in the MC and stuff like that and then and yeah, like that was like that was a big thing in my childhood. Yeah, that was a big thing. That and skating. Yeah, like skating was a, another big thing. Like we used to just skate all over the place, skate to different areas, go to skate parks, ride. Like music and skating was a big thing for us yeah. when we were young. And do you think again that's down to to the culture that you grew up in? Yeah, definitely. Like the area, because obviously West London. You know, a lot of people you tie that straight into carnival. Yeah, yeah. So it's you know, it's a very much like a music focused environment. Yeah, yeah, yeah. More so than probably any other area of London, I'd imagine. Yeah. Well when you like for example, when you look at music, yeah, and you look at like certain styles of music, a lot of the time it's attached to a culture, yeah. Mm. And 
culture is not just music. Yeah. It's lo- like you look at hip hop for example. It was hip hop wasn't just about um about the DJ or about the rapper, but it was also about the graffiti. Do you yeah. know what I'm saying? And and like all of the other elements to it, which is the same with us. Like growing up, yeah, jungle was like and and dancing and stuff like that was like a, a big thing for us. But skating was also attached Part to that. Of it too, yeah. yeah, we used to go to Roller Express, which was in <laughs> North London, yeah. And like and that they'd play like a lot of jungle and a lot of dancehall music and stuff like that. And like that was like a, it was like a community. Yeah. Do you know what I'm saying? So yeah. yeah, like all of that, it all tied in together. Yeah, we had a lot of that. We had a lot of like um biking. Because where where I'm from in North London, mm. there's like a brook which eventually leads to the Thames at some point, but you could like cycle along the brook and at certain points there would be almost like um, a bike park where you could go down the ramps, cycle up the ramps and like do little yeah, jumps. Yeah, yeah. And so we used to go there on our bikes on the weekends and yeah. just whether it was like filthy mud or if it was rock hard, we'd yeah, be yeah, on our yeah. bikes going up and down these, these yeah. man, not even man-made, but um, natural kind of like bike ramps. And yeah, yeah. that was so, so we, we used to do all of that I think I actually remember one time we went to one skate park one time and flipping my cousin like we was you know like you had all of the, the yeah, yeah. Um, little hole things that you'd ride down and do the tricks and that but none of us would go down <laughs> it and then my cousin Elliot yeah just took the plunge he was the guy who took the he plunge the first one but he didn't do it with his chest he didn't do it with his chest so when he's gone down the thing yeah he's like literally went over smashed his face oh. on the floor bust his whole lip and that was game done. We ended up leaving. And I don't yeah. think we went to a skate park the time <laughs> after that. Like, no one did jumps ever, ever from yeah. there. But yeah, and under 18s as well. Yeah. Like, that was a big thing for us. And to, if I'm being honest, under 18s started a lot thing for me, but I initially never wanted to go. Mm. So there was like a guy in my crew called Carty, and like he was one of the MCs. And he used to go to this thing called Education and Dance that used to happen every Friday in my area or every other Friday yeah it used to happen every other Friday and it was mainly garage yeah but he always wanted to go and I never I didn't want to go and then one day I think EZ was there yeah and we had the tape packs of EZ yeah so I was like you know what cool I'll go and I actually still remember being in the queue it was seven pounds in the queue whatever going in there and then like it was just the vibes like it was a proper vibe but I, I weren't taking part in the vibes I was just kind of standing there yeah, observing yeah observing I was thinking right this is kind of sick EZ was sick there was a DJ called Youngster there that was sick and I just thought you know what I need to get on the stage so the next time I went there I just said to the woman there used to be an MC there called um, Lady Orgasm <laughs> yeah I know it's mad isn't it wow. in hindsight it's mad isn't wow. it she's like under 18s it's called Lady Orgasm it's nuts literally so anyway Boom, I've said to her, look, is it alright if I could, like, chat some lyrics or whatnot? And yeah. she was like, yeah, cool. My mate was mad jealous. I went up there, spat my bar. Yeah. And then from then, I was like, you know what? I need to be here every week. I need to be here every week. And then from that, like, I ended up meeting loads of people. I met loads of DJs. I started doing other under-18s as an MC. Um, and then I got quite popular in my area. And then someone who was quite instrumental in helping me get around was an MC called Kai. Mm. Kai used to came and then like, he used to take me around with him sometimes to um, some other under 18s and that. And I always remember, I'll never forget the day yet. There's certain things that happen in your childhood that you just never forget. And it's like these things that happen, especially when somebody's doing it, they're not even aware of how much of an impact it's making on your yeah. life when they're doing that. But Kai one day, 
came to my estate in a in a baby blue be it uh Benz yeah and like he come to pick me up and everyone was absolutely gassed through the nines yeah Kai's on the estate what coming to pick you up I'm like yeah but he didn't realize what he was doing at the time by doing that but that just that inspired me yeah you get what I'm saying like right like I know this guy he's helping me out like he's taking me around with him he is the man as well and like, yeah, I want to be, I want to be the guy yeah. as well. Like, I want to make something of myself the same way that he... And was that a point where you think that you made a decision to actively try and pursue some kind of career in and around in music. music? From then I knew, like, I like music is something that I want to be involved in. Yeah. And like, yeah, I was, I was emceeing and I was becoming quite popular within my area as an MC. But playing music was always my thing. So anytime I had money... I would always still go to the record shop mm. and spend my money on records and stuff like that. And when we was on radio, anytime I had the opportunity to have my little half an hour set, yeah. I was doing that. Yeah. So like I was utilizing it in in a different type of way. Yeah. And as grime came in, as grime started to be the thing, I was fascinated by it and I loved it so much. Yeah, watching these guys, but as an MC, it just wasn't really for me. I didn't want to, I didn't want to, I'd rather watch. Yeah, yeah, Do so you yeah. get what I'm saying? I'd rather watch. I remember when I first met D-Double, I was at a, a radio, an internet radio. It was like one of the first internet radio stations, yeah. I can't remember what it was called. And um, I was there with my crew. And then like, so, and it's like, it's getting grimy now. Like, so it was like kind of, it was still garagey, but it was, it was grimy going was coming, there. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So then, like, um, Jammer came with uh, D-Double, and I can't remember who else was there. There was another MC. So anyway, me and my guys are doing our thing or whatnot. So I'm like, yeah, I'm gonna, I know, because I know who D-Double is. Yeah. I've heard him before. We're about to go back to back. So anyway, now, Jammer's kind of taken the mic and given it to D-Double. And then, like, I'm, D-Double's doing his thing, and I'm kind of standing there waiting, like, yeah, I'm going to get the mic soon. Like, yeah. you get me? Like, I'm going to get the mic. Well, 20 minutes later now, I'm still not getting this mic. <laughs> and then Jammer's kind of on the thing of like, no, like, these lot are going to do... He ain't said it, yeah. but you know that the body language, the innit? Yeah, yeah. yeah. yeah so in the end, we just left. I remember thinking to myself, fuck this guy, like, we're, like not passing man the mic and that. But later on, I actually just found like a, a true love for what these men were doing. Yeah, do you know yeah. what I'm saying? And become a proper fan of that, collected the music and just... Um, was trying to be a part of it somehow and just like encouraging some of the people that were around me that was yeah interested in it yeah which is mad like there's so much stories from that kind of time of because pe- it was I guess people that you could look up to but also relate to yeah in terms of you know you can look at any pop star any kind of big music act and you yeah. can't really relate to them too much no but when you're seeing these people who are from the ends from the streets from the estates that yeah. you know having a massive impact on everyone that's kind of their yeah. age and, and below it's, it's mad because like I come from a time where literally all of the people that we idolised or a lot of the people that we proper idolised were thousands of miles yeah. away they were thousands of miles away yeah. the chances of us seeing them was just limited I'm Jamaican as well yeah so like a lot of the artists that I like the Jamaican artists and that, that I like it was a myth seeing them like, I was not seeing Budja Banton and these lot I, I was just not seeing them so for me I always I was always the person who like proper embraced what we had so like when 
So Solid came through and was doing their thing and that. I was, or even before that, Heartless Crew, mm. Mighty Mo and Bushkin. I was on that. When So Solid was coming through and doing their thing, they brought something different. This was the first time these lot were coming to under 18s and people were screaming. Uh, Romeo would come and he would be screaming and people would be screaming. screaming bro. Him, yeah, yeah. yeah, like, oh my God, it's Romeo. And I was never the person who would be, it's just Romeo. Like, I was thinking, yeah, this is Romeo. Like, this is Romeo. This is Mega Man. This is Asher D. I went back to back with some of these yeah. guys. I went back to back with Wiley. And, like, yeah. Do you get what I'm saying? Those are big, proud moments. Yeah, yeah. What, what, what then is the proudest moment you've ever had in your life? In my life? In your life, ever. That's bad. The proudest moment I've ever had in my whole life. <sighs> Bruv, you know that's a hard one to answer. Yeah, of course. The proudest moment I've ever had in my life. Do you know what? I can't tell you the proudest moment I've ever had in my life, but I could tell you moments that I've had where I've felt like, like one of them. Yeah. And so like, I had, I got like my first residency and I was um, DJing in Watford and um, in area nightclub. And I remember like I was doing things like I DJ that the, one of the first, es- well the first Eskimo that yeah. I DJ that, um, and like so I was there a lot and from then I used to give out a lot of CDs a lot of CDs with my face on it or whatever and just free CDs and just give them out and I started doing other events and then playing out and I was playing out quite quite regularly and then like I wanted to do there was one year I wanted to do a birthday event but I was a bit nervous because I was thinking I don't think I don't know if anyone's going to come mm. do you know what I mean it's very different doing your own thing like that but anyway I ended up doing a birthday event um, in Boulevard which was in Ealing and like it was a, it's a massive venue and um, I put this event on and I was so nervous bruv like I was so my anxiety levels was way up there because I'm thinking I know some people are gonna come yeah. but it's a big venue so can I don't know yeah. like how can I feel it if you don't have a certain amount of people in a venue then it's just dead yeah do you get me but then like um, I remember I went on the day of the event or whatnot. I've gone home and I've gone to bed like I've literally like gone to I just wanted to just, just be in my bed I've got ready and my mum's come with me as well so like all my friends have gone I didn't really want any because I was nervous and I was embarrassed I was thinking if I come there and it's not a vibe yeah. then like I don't want to be around anyone I just kind of want to go in and maybe just bounce if I can yeah <laughs> bro when I came and I bust the corner and I saw the queue yeah like the queue was literally like it was going it's weird like, I was going into the shopping centre so it was like going all the way around the block and that down into the shopping centre and like that's a feeling I'll never forget yeah. like because I thought that was like one, a moment where I was thinking raw like people like these people have come to my birthday thing like that's just ma- this amount but we had over a thousand people. Wow! Yeah, that's a big old venue then. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We hit capacity. Yeah, yeah, we hit that's capacity. That's crazy. So, and then, in terms of like your your radio stuff that you've mm. done, how did you first get into that? What was your what moves did you have to make to sort of forge your way into to broadcasting? So I started out through pirate radio, um, and the first radio, the first pirate radio I was on, I think, was Life FM, which was run by a guy called Paul Roast, who used to do really big jungle events but we, we were doing we were doing garage sets and then again I was there with my crew but then I would still be like playing my, some of my music or whatever that passed and then I don't even know how I ended up on um, Freeze FM I was on Freeze FM 
And then the guys that ended up running Freeze FM were the guys that gave me my first residency. Yeah. Um, in Watford because they were running Watford at the time, so I was doing that, and then I was doing like a morning show too. Um, and then, yeah, I was on there for quite a while. Some years have gone by. I'm skipping some time, and then yeah, and then I did. I was on Bang, and then in between that, I was like literally in and out of like one extra, doing some mm. stuff at one extra, and and doing guest mixes and stuff like that yeah yeah and then was that something that you were like you wanted to do then massively massively at a point at a point like one of one of the things that i was doing was literally i put all my eggs into doing commercial radio Mm. or national radio or being on one extra like i wanted it so at one point i wanted it so bad and like I'd be as I said like giving out free mix CDs was a big thing for, for me like I was at the time when I was doing it I remember when I put, first put my face on a flyer yeah and I was giving it out I remember some people was like oh, look at you like would you, you got yeah. your own face on there but I realised I knew straight that it was marketing for me and I knew that if I keep giving these out people some people are going to like them but also my face is going to be familiar and when I was going carnival, I would literally sit there and I'd burn like six thousand. I bought, um, wow. I bought uh, CD duplicators and I would sit there and I would burn six thousand mix CDs and taking them to carnival, bro, on my ones as well, bro. It was like big bags that would just. I'd have to double up on the bags and that as well because sometimes the CDs would be flipping, poking out, and then yeah, then the thing before you know it, it just busts open. I got all these CDs, but then. And they're so heavy as well, you know. I can't walk around in carnival with them because it's just too heavy. So I need to just be in one spot or whatever. But it worked. Like, I had my number on it. People used to message the number. I wanted more CDs. But I used to do that because I wanted to be... I wanted one extra or people at one extra to see that I was out mm-hmm. there working and um, that I was doing something. I'd go to their, their stages. I'd go to... Any function that they had, I would go out there and be giving out um, CDs and and then um, and then yeah, one day like Westwood come brought me in and I was having a conversation with him uh, at the station, which went really well. A lot of people were messaging in and, and like just like shouting me out, which was a which was a good moment in itself. And then like I had mo- like a particular person from here who I've got a massive a lot of respect for to this day I haven't spoken to her so much of recent but there was a, someone I used to work here called Delisa I think is she still here mm. yeah and um or still at one extra and she used to help me a lot and give me a lot of guidance and stuff into like what it is that I need to be doing and help me um try to get into the building and then I'll be honest with you like I kind of started to get to a stage where I had so much people that were in the building saying to me, oh, I like what you're doing yeah. is so good. Like, keep doing what you're doing. Like, you know what I mean? It's sick, your moment's gonna come or whatever. And then it gets to a point where it's like, people keep telling you all of these good things and keep telling you that, yeah, like something's gonna happen and then nothing happens and then it starts to affect your confidence. Yeah. It affected mine. Cause I started thinking, well, like if everybody here or at One Extra is telling me that I am as good as I am, why is this actually just not happening? Yeah. And then uh, there was a thing that they had called uh, Extra Talent where they had like, and they've they brought it back now. So um, you have like a DJ that is on for a month. He does, or she does, 
you can't just say he these days because you know what I mean yeah so he or she would be doing um, four shows in a month and that was going on for time and I never got the call I never got a call and then one day CJ Brick Beats rang me and he was like have you been asked to do one and I was like nah then he was like that's just crazy so he sorted out the last I did the last oh, one got it. so I got it in the end but and how for did me, that make you feel that when you got that for me now at that point it was all about am I good enough like forget anything else I have something to prove to myself not to anyone else I don't have no chip on my shoulder no nothing I just need to know whether this is about politics or whether this is about something different or whether it's just I'm just not good enough mm. whether I, I turn the mic on and this confident voice that I have is not there anymore because the mic's on and it's a bit awkward and yeah. it's my own voice and like you know, I don't have banter anymore and I, don't, I, can't, I can't talk about this particular song or whatever but when I went on I was very comfortable and I got a lot of great feedback from that and literally I think when I did my last show I walked out of the building with my head held very high and straight away my ambition wasn't to be on my next show anymore oh, really? I thought you know what I want to I'm going to just create something and try and build myself up and try and be as big as I can by doing it myself. Yeah. And that's how I ended up starting the podcast. I was going to say, yeah, so it's a good segue into the reason you started the podcast. And do you know what I find amazing? Well, other than, you know, the, the, the podcast itself is how early you were on the podcast game because you've been doing it like four years. Mm -hmm. And in terms of the UK podcast scene in that kind of world of, you know, music or whatever, there's not a lot of podcasts that have been doing it for that long. Yeah. Probably not any. Yeah. Because everyone's starting to jump on it, you know, me being one myself. Yeah, yeah, yeah. In the In the last year or so, as they've become more and more popular and people have started to listen to more and more audio. So, like, for me, for you to have that foresight to go, actually, I want to make a thing out of myself. Not only am I not going to do radio, mm. I'm going to go and do something that no one else is really doing. Yeah. Like, was that a part of the process for you of thinking? N not straight away. So why a podcast? Straight away. So this this was my thing, yeah? All right, cool. I'm out of here now. I'm not going back to Bang. And I'm what I'm going to do is I'm going to do my own radio show and I'm going to put it on my SoundCloud. So that's what I was doing. I was doing my own radio show and I was putting them on my SoundCloud every week. And then I've, like, I had relationships with artists, just being around artists and stuff like that. And then I thought, you know what? I need to exercise that. So I put a seg I had a segment called Phone Check in my radio show mm. so I would like ring an artist and I would like pre-record like a 10 minute conversation with them I did like Getz I did Wretch I did uh, G Fresh I did even like Jay Prince really early on and Ray Black mm. very early yeah. like like this was time ago and like so I was just doing some of the Angel no actually I didn't do Angel that leads me to this thing so I've missed out a big bit because I started DJing for Angel and I was doing a lot of tours and stuff like that with him. When I was doing this, at one point I was thinking, yeah, I need to do, I need, like, this week I need someone for phone check. Let me just do Angel because obviously I'm around him a lot. So I was supposed to do him and it just, I was waiting for something. It was just long. I don't know what was going on, but it was just long, yeah. So it wasn't going to happen and I thought, you know what? Let me just piss in the dark and text Wiley I know he's not going to do it I just know he's not going to do it but I'm just going to message him anyway so I messaged him and I said yo bro um, 
do you want to do a quick interview? Won't take long. He said, yeah, I'll do it right now. I'm in Cyprus. What's your number? Um, I'll ring you right now. So I was like, oh no, give me a couple minutes. So I'm like, putting everything together or whatever. Yeah. <laughs> then boom, he's rang me. And then we started having a, we just started having a chat. Now, prior to this, yeah, prior to this conversation, while I was doing this radio, this radio show thing, I was like, there were things that were going on that I just wanted to talk about. So I just literally put the mic on and I would just chat. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? And um, I can't, there was a few things I was talking about, but one in particular, I was talking about the culture clash. And um, I was just rambling on about it. And then like, I think one of the blogs picked it up and I think he heard it. So we were talking about the culture clash and we were just talking about bear other stuff. And then like, <clears throat> it went past like 15 minutes and I'm thinking, I'm not gonna stop this conversation mm. because I've got Wiley on the phone. I don't know when I'm gonna get him on the phone again. And I'm enjoying this conversation and it's good. So I thought I'm just gonna just let it go until however long it just goes. Yeah. So then we just started speaking and then we spoke for about <clears throat> an hour, just under an hour. So after we came off the phone, I was thinking to myself, what do I do with it? Because I can't pull it in the middle of a show. I just thought, you know what? I just, I'm just gonna pull it on my SoundCloud. And then I put it on my SoundCloud and then it got traction. So from then I was like, you know what? I wanna do another one. I wanna have a conversation with someone else. So I ended up speaking with an artist called Cashtastic who was like like a rising star in our yeah. scene who ended up um, being deported. He was removed from the UK. And I was the first person to speak to him about everything. He was in Jamaica um, and I just recorded the audio and we had a really, really good conversation um, just about everything that had happened and how he felt and, and all of that. And then like after I did that, I felt like I just, I just want to have a conversation. Mm. Do you know what I mean? I just want to have a conversation. I just think it's really important to talk. I, f I, I knew, I identified straight away that it was almost, uh, almost like a therapy session for Castastic. Yeah, yeah. That's a big thing for him. Yeah. He was, he's young. Like he's young and he's, all he's known is this country. He, he came to this country when he was like four or five years old. So, you know, this country is a big part of him. And to be put in a situation where he has to go to Jamaica, where he don't, he doesn't have anyone there. Yeah, yeah. And he doesn't, there's no one, he hasn't got anyone there. That's got to be a really, really difficult thing to go through. And a really, really difficult thing to talk about. Mm. So we did that and then that did really well. And then um, Swiss had a song out called Nigger. And I thought it was important to have that conversation. So me and him had a conversation about that. I think I did another one with SAS. And then I just rang Poet one day and I was yeah. like, yo, Poet being a good friend of mine. And I just said to him, do you want to do a podcast? Then he was like, what do you want to do it about? I said, absolutely nothing. Just chat. Yeah, let's, about absolutely nothing. Then he's like, yeah, because I want to talk about this. And I want to talk about <laughs> that. And so then we went... <laughs> We went, he just got really animated on the phone, <laughs> proper. So then um, we met up, uh, I went and met him in North London, whatever, we just talked about it. Uh, I, I said to him, no, I'm just gonna find the studio. Ended up um, being introduced to Jukebox Recording Studios. Met a guy called Dan, went in there, saw the sofa, saw the setup. I asked him if he'd ever recorded podcast and they said no. I said, we, all I need is just mics, and just to record the audio that's yeah. it and he was like cool and um 
yeah, I brought Poet and then we had we did one podcast and then at the end Poet was like So when are we when are we doing it again? I was like, let's just, we'll just do it next month. He said, No, let's do it next week. Yeah. And then from then on we just kept going. Cause the thing for me, right, is like I like what you were just saying about conversations because I feel like I was in a similar headspace when I decided to start this podcast was like I know so many people who are doing so many wicked things <coughs> yeah. and they're really inspiring and if anyone can just hear their story like you someone will see you and say oh man Chucky's got this sick podcast and he does this and he does that but they don't hear the journey no. that you took to get to that point no, no, no. do you know what I mean so for me it was important to be able to have a conversation with someone to mm. allow them to convey their story so yeah. other people can hear it yeah. and, but also to have that value of sitting here now face to face and have a chat mm. like for me that's the most powerful yeah, thing ever that is communication and I like how you saw that opportunity you and Poet and you went with it yeah 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 but then did you did you I was fully focused at, yeah. that, at that point like literally I went from years of thinking Nash, I need radio yeah. I need radio to like now I I'm concentrating on just me and yeah. my happiness do you get me? Because everything else started to consume me a bit mm. and it was taken away from my happiness yeah. and it was making me do things a bit differently and see things a bit differently and also have a bit of resentment. And I'm not a man who walks around with resentment. Yeah. So that I, I'm a very solution-based person. So what is it that I need to do to get out of that? I need to work on me. Mm. And I'm going to just do... I'm literally just going to yeah. do me. And have a focus. Like, it's so mm. important. Like I've, I've been talking to a friend of mine recently who's in a, that space of he's having a wobble and he needs to find a focus. Mm. And I've been telling him and trying to sort of help him in that way. Like you need to find something that you can focus on and work towards mm. to pr- prioritize yourself. Like forget Nothing. work, forget everything else. Like prioritize yourself. Mm. And I've done a lot of that myself. Like last couple of years, mm. I was listening to the episode you had the roundup with with Vuj and Poet yeah, um, and Vuj was talking about uh, reading Eckhart Tolle and mm. all that kind of stuff and I've you know read the books and all the stuff he was talking <coughs> about and just focusing on yourself self-development learning growth yeah, like just resonated and yeah. it sounds like you were in that similar place yeah, yeah definitely is, it's incredible when definitely. you find that yeah like, yeah it's definitely so clear. like I I I found some I found something that I was happy about again do you get me and like it tied into things that I was doing because obviously I was doing events and I'm a DJ but I just love music I love music I love culture I love I love so talking about social issues I've just had I've just always Mm. been like that and at first I didn't know that it was something that I love doing Mm. I just did it yeah yeah me and my friends just used to do that we used to I was forever sitting and debating with you know some of my cousins who'd be sitting there smoking weed and talking giving me all of these conspiracy based stuff and I used to challenge them all the time there's certain things in hindsight now where I think oh you know what you lot were kind of right in some things but I was like if somebody said something that I didn't particularly agree with I'm we're gonna have this we're gonna have a conversation about it do you know what I mean yeah or if I hear a song or something's happened or I go to a show, I just want to talk about it. Yeah. If I go to a, see if one of my favourite artists, yeah, and he was, or she was proper sick, I need to talk about it. I can't just go home and just fall asleep and then that's just that. I've got to have a conversation about it. If I go and see an artist or a new artist and they weren't particularly very good, I need to have a conversation about that too. Yeah. You know, or 
or even even aside from music, like you know, if 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 something socially is happening, especially something that I think is happen is affecting me or affecting like my generation or younger generation or um, people around me or whatever, I want to have a conversation yeah. about that too. And I think so. that's come across very recently in like you know the conversation you had around the H and M debacle and all the kind of you know outrage and fake outrage mm. and all that kind of stuff like what I find crazy is that we're kind of leaning more towards a world where there is a lot more kind of fake not saying the H&M one is a mm. case of fake outrage because it wasn't but mm. there's a lot more of that it's happening almost like on a weekly basis yeah, yeah. Like, why, why do you think that is? I think social media plays a big part in it I think that social media allows people to say anything that they want to say and you do have a lot you do have some people out there that have a lot of following um you do have some people out there that have a big social media engagement whether it be followers or whatever it is mm. that like express their level of like maybe what, what i would deem as fake outrage which then is almost like a domino effect because then everyone starts doing it and then we start debating with people for the sake of debating with them because they might have <clears throat> said something that might have offended us or whatever and I think now we are yeah we're literally going into a stage where like it's almost like people are going out of their way mm. to be offended by yeah. stuff and I can't put a, a proper pinpoint on where it started and why it actually is but I do know that social media has a lot to do with yeah. The, and, and it, I find there's a re- there's a weird like shaming culture as well. Like, I saw mm. a video on on Twitter the other day like some girl it was like a whole thread of like some girl she'd gone back to some guy's house and his house was a mess. So she started filming like the mess yeah. that was on the floor and, yeah. and I'm like just thinking like even if it is a mess like well, a what's it got to do with you and b why have you got to like put that out into well, again, the, the rest social, of the world for likes and social for, media. It's yeah. like this is the thing. Jamie said it best like. He when he was on our podcast, he was saying that like people are doing literally going out of their way to do things for likes, purely because see like likes and retweets and all of these things. When you get them, it gives you a certain type mm. of feeling. Yeah. They it releases endorphins like yeah. you you feel great yeah. like when you get a, when you get a like or you get a retweet, it just feels great. So when you're on social media, and you're and and you're craving for that. Some people will literally do anything yeah. to get that. And I think even by being outraged by things is an easy way of doing it. Yeah, to get... It's an easy way of yeah. doing that. Like, now you could, you're going to get retweets, you're going to get likes, you're going to get um, engagement on and conversation, and people love that. For me, yeah, I genuinely... I know that, like, <clears throat> some people don't agree with it, but, like, I genuinely try to not focus on yeah. numbers-based stuff. Like I log out of my social media a lot of the time. So when I go, if I if I'm posting a picture, I go in, I post my picture, I scroll a little bit, mm. just a tiny bit, check my DMs, come out, and I log out. Yeah. And then I find myself. I used to find myself like going on my phone, and then like I'd have my phone, and I just naturally just go onto my social media. I just go, and then when I go on it, and I'm like, oh, I've logged out. Oh, I've logged out. I've logged out. Cool. I just put it down, and I get used to that. Even with my with the YouTube, I go out of my way to avoid looking at numbers yeah because i don't want the numbers to affect my product yeah of course and the conversations that i have i don't want the the comments 
to affect my thinking. I don't want to be... Ev- any, everyone can sit there and say and be negative because it's easy. You could just go on the internet and you could just be this fucking dickhead. Like, whatever. Yeah. Do you get what? Yeah. And that people don't realise that by looking at that. I'm a human being. When you're doing that, when you're saying it about a particular person, they're a human being. That could affect them. They're a human yeah. being. They have, they've got feelings. Yeah. So by looking at it, after a while, could affect you. It could affect the way that you do your music, if you're an artist. It could affect your opinion, the way that you project your opinions, or if you are someone who, who likes to project their opinion or whatever. It can affect the way that your, your whole outlook on certain things. So for me, I'm like, <clears throat> even though for the majority of the time it's good even then I don't I just don't even want to hear too much of that I just want to be focused on what it is that I'm focused on and I believe enough in myself that whoever is like minded and all the people that want to hear stuff like that will find it and it it will be a part of their life for me as well I find it it's draining man Mm. when you're like too focused on again that material stuff like likes and views and comments it's draining. Like, yeah, but it's crazy. You're not focusing on actually what you're trying to do and the message. Yeah, yeah. Like, and for me, what's been incredible through you know the journey with this podcast and the kind of Dreamers Disease brand is not focusing on the likes and the figures and the listeners and how many people are, yeah. are watching. Is it good? Is it good? Does it make you feel good? Exactly. Are you happy with what you're doing? These are the most important yeah. things. But I think that like now we're living in a in a in a in a society where we are made to feel that likes and numbers and all of these things are important. I was having a conversation with a, a really good friend of mine, yeah. She gets really wound up that uh, people fake their social media numbers oh, and stuff like that. Yeah. And like, she gets really annoyed by it because even from a DJ base, like, which she's a DJ too, just like me, she's like, you get people out there that are faking their numbers and they're getting bookings just off that and I had a few things to say from that I I used to get headphones from Monster and products from them and stuff and I went to one of their dinners it was really interesting and they're a great brand by the way they've given me so much stuff and even to this day but I was having a chat with like one of the I think she was like one of the directors or she like works really high up in the but in from the European side of things yeah, yeah. And the first thing she asked me was, how much social media numbers have you Really? Got? Yeah. So I know now, the answer that I give her determines the conversation we're about to have. Yeah. If I say to her, I've got 100,000 followers, she's into me straight away. Yeah. She wants to know. She wants to have a chat. Yeah. If I tell her I've got 10K, that's she's not really it's loving different. that. Yeah. So the thing is, yeah, I say all of that to say this. I was saying to my friend, do you know what? you can't really hate the player, you have to hate the game. Mm. Do you get me? Because sometimes with some people, I could have just turned around to myself and said, you know what? Fuck it. Let me just fake my numbers. If that's going to give me a, if that's going to um, give me opportunities and put me in a better situation, you know what? Why not? I might as well yeah. do it. It's cool. And I, so I understand in that perspective why some people do it. I personally wouldn't do it because yeah. that wouldn't again I'm not living my, I'm not trying to live my life through numbers based whatever opportunities come to me come to me through me be doing stuff organically but you know what I get why people do it mm. and it makes them feel some sense of worth yeah it that's, just doesn't for me that's it I think there's a lot of low self esteem and low self worth isn't yeah. there flying about with you know the, the influence social media has on people and people try and make that up with 
fake this, fake that. Yeah, yeah, trust me. It's crazy. Like, yeah. So, and I know for you, um, you've spoken about your mum works in mental health. Mm. So, like, how important is it for us as a generation, do you think, to take care of our mental health? Massively. Massively. It's hard because I think that some people go through things and not know why they're going through stuff do you get what I'm saying and again social media is another thing that plays a big part in it but um, trying to be working on being self aware should be something that everyone should. do you know what I think do you know what I genuinely think I think when you get to a certain age I think everyone should have a therapist mm. seriously I genuinely think if you could if we could live in a world where everyone could have a therapist I just think that that should happen because I think that people should be able to just go to a place and have a conversation, an unfiltered conversation, where they they don't feel that they're going to be judged and just talk about everything. Yeah. Like, and, and when I say everything, that could be everything that makes them happy. Yeah. It could be, because that's the stage that they could be in their, their life. Mm. But also, they, they it should be just a place where you can just, you know, have a conversation about stuff and just talk about things because talking I feel when you're talking to the right person really does help yeah. and if you don't if you're going through stuff and you don't talk about it a lot of the time it gets bottled up yeah yeah and I went through a, a, a period in my in my life where I was really really down and I was like I felt like I was at a mad crossroads and I wasn't really talking about it too much and the first time that I did like my best friend we went out to eat somewhere we just sat down one day and my friend for years and like he just said to me oh um he goes oh are you happy mm. then I was like yeah if yeah of course I'm happy then he was like no nah, don't just answer the question mm. he said think about it first mm. and the first thing that went through my head was right this is a bit mad like <laughs> me and my boy we never talked like this this yeah. is a bit mad like you know what I mean once I got past that I started to think am I happy then I'm like I'm not happy how am I gonna why am I not happy so I just sat there and I just told him yeah I'm not happy and I like I didn't even know at that point why I wasn't happy but just having that conversation and just having someone there that was actually willing to listen was very beneficial to me and then yeah. again being um, very solution based I, I figured out why I was unhappy and which is probably another story but um, but yeah like I think it's very important for people to be able to try to be as self aware as they can and to have someone that they can talk to because it helps their mental state yeah you know what I, mean? I think the self awareness thing is massive because it's it's an understanding isn't it of like mm. your feelings your thoughts why you think a certain way mm -hmm. why you do certain things mm -hmm. and trying to make sure you can understand that as best as possible definitely because I, I went through a patch where similar to what you were just saying like very unhappy and I didn't really know why but I didn't really didn't know I felt it at the time mm. until I got to a point where um, I, I broke down in front of my girlfriend at the time mm. and she was like what's wrong and I was just like I don't know I just don't feel like myself Yeah. and fortunately her mum was a therapist and she put me in contact with a ther another therapist to go and see because obviously I wouldn't, wouldn't be able to go and see her. Um, and I remember going to the sessions. I, I maybe went to like five or six. And everything you were saying about 
sitting somewhere, unfiltered conversations, not feeling judged. I felt the opposite. I felt like I was sat in this room and I might as well have had like a hundred cameras on me filming me. Mm. And I just felt like everything I was saying, like the woman was just like psychoanalyzing yeah, yeah, every yeah, little everything. thing and trying to tie everything I was saying back to something else. Yeah. And I was like, in my head, I was thinking, you, you don't get it. Like mm. what the pressures are coming, not through past experience, mm. which some probably are, don't get me wrong. Mm. But a lot of it is more coming through our day-to-day lives with yeah. social media and with expectations and with, you know, being told that we're never going to, as a generation, be able to do this or achieve mm. that. Or do, and like all these social pressures that come with it. Yeah. And I just felt like that wasn't coming across coming because across, I, yeah. I was being judged for something else. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I felt mad uncomfortable. Yeah. And I stepped out of that and I, I kind of snapped myself out of the zone I was in through mm. I got a new job, which kind of lifted me. And then mm. I started finding new avenues of passion and happiness of things that I was doing mm. and making. Mm. And it put me in a good spot again. That's it. And then I kind of went through that cycle again a couple of years ago. And then has resulted in the podcast and oh, okay. me finding myself yeah, more yeah, yeah. and reading more about myself. And yeah. So I think the therapy thing can be really, really powerful for people. Yeah. But I think if you've got the right therapist... It's like the right, that's what I'm saying. It's the right... Because not every therapist is a good yeah. therapist. So but you also need to have that awareness that that is not a good situation. And I just felt like it, I was so uncomfortable with it. You, yeah, you, you've got to have that awareness that, that yeah. maybe this is, that is not yeah. the right... And also, it probably, it probably didn't help I was doing it like secretively. Like yeah. my, my parents didn't know. No, they probably okay. still don't know. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, See, for me, like I look at it... Because like, you're completely right. Like When I say that, I feel... Because that's... My when I say that I think that everybody should have a therapist, that's just the idealistic way of looking yeah, at it. But that, I'm, I'm, that I'm looking at I'm looking everything. at like someone a good place that you could go to and have a conversation with someone. Because you know what it is, yeah. For me, and I don't know about your what do your experience that you had with your therapist, yeah. But I think sometimes it's not even about like going to a place for someone to give you a solution. It's just a place that you could to go talk, to yeah. just talk. And sometimes when you. Some, this is a thing that I try to do, yeah. See, like, if one of my friends is down um, or going through some stuff, I let my friend offload and talk. And what I do is, instead of giving solutions, I just ask you questions. Yeah. I ask you questions about that particular thing. Yeah. Because by me asking the questions, might then make you start figuring out the answers. Yeah. Do you get what I'm saying? Because sometimes the answers lie within yourself. Yeah. You can't just go to a place and then me say, yeah, boom, I know exactly what's wrong. All you need to do, this, 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 and this, and then you'll be fine and you'll be on your merry way. Yeah. It doesn't work like that. Sometimes a person just needs to ask you, like, how do you feel? Why do you Why feel do you that feel? way? Yeah, yeah. Do you know what I mean? And I'll just ask questions about you and how you feel and, um, and trying to see if you can figure out the solution, but just by me asking yeah. you. And like, someone did that with me and it was ma- massively beneficial yeah, for yeah. me. You start to think in other ways. And yeah. I, I, I think I tend to do that when I have conversations with people, it, whether it's a debate or yeah, yeah. you're having an argument or you're just talking on a level. Yeah. Like I like, always like to try and get people to think in a different way or think from their yeah. perspective. Poet does that with me all the time, actually. Like sometimes we'll be having conversations and like, like I'll be arguing with him and there's don't get twisted there's times where I know I'm just 100% right <laughs> but there are times where like we'll be arguing and I'll feel like I'm right and then he says something to me and then I think as we're having this conversation as we're having this conversation mm-hmm. I'm really like I'm thinking about something which has made me realise oh no do you know what 
maybe it's actually this. Yeah. And I've actually thought of a completely yeah, yeah. Um, different perspective. But that different perspective came through us having dialogue. Yeah, yeah. Do you know Which what I mean? crazy. And then I just want to flip things back to the podcast again because obviously I want to discuss the Reggie thing with you from your point of view because, you know, you know, we mentioned it a little bit at the beginning and I feel like, you know, in that world of outrage that we were speaking about yeah. before, that very much lies within that. And just to get your kind of side of things and your opinion of what happened and you know even how how you felt about it like obviously it was your podcast was kind yeah. of under review essentially from mm. from the uh the press and whatever so yeah. for anyone who doesn't know reggie did a really powerful interview with chucky on uh half cast podcast and he said one thing you know mm. out of line within an hour and a half conversation and yeah. got picked up on by the press and was perceived to be a racial slur against a certain demographic mm. and stuff happened yeah. with Reggie off of the back of that so yeah, I've actually that? never spoke about this but I'll talk about it like basically that was I felt that was a really weird little time mm. because <clears throat> when Reggie came here yeah, I remember leaving that conversation thinking this was such an uplifting conversation yeah. like it was so such a good conversation like definitely one of the best conversations that we've that I feel like we've had or that I've had and it was helpful to me and um, at the time when he had said what he had said I'm so lost in this world of positivity mm. that in what we were having it completely went over my head yeah, yeah? because I knew exactly the context of what it was that he was saying yeah. I knew where it was what it was coming from so it didn't seem like a big deal to me yeah. now obviously when uh, it, it came out and then obviously people loved it or whatnot, and then I had a phone call saying that the Daily Telegraph had picked it up because Reggie had said a particular thing so I went and I had to listen back to it and I heard it and I thought okay I understand definitely why why um, some people would have been offended by it I understand why some people would have been offended by that it'd be crazy for me to say that I don't and I think it was only because of there was just one word that he said mm. that may, could have made it seem like he was being uh, derogatory to um, like a, a certain demographic or whatever yeah but it was completely taken out of context and what he actually said in my opinion had a lot of truth to it Yeah. so for me like going on what he because he said he was basically just mentioning the fact that like it's really good that some of these artists now are being managed by some of their own friends as opposed to going elsewhere and yeah. feeling like they need to do that. And you know what? Like, I'll, I'm going to be honest with you, bro. Like in our community and where I come from, yeah, there's always been this thing about like as a black man, there's always been this thing as like, you know, like white people do things more proper than we do. Like black people are more they're lazy like yeah. why would you go to a black person they're lazy they're not articulate they speak this type of way they you know they can't they're not great businessmen yeah you might get one or two that's that has been embedded in us yeah, from yeah. a very very young age so for us subliminal messages just of, of seeing a picture of a black person with a bunch of white people yeah 
um, signing a deal. That looks like success. Mm. We when we see a white when we see like one of ours um, writing signing a contract and everyone around is white or Jewish, yeah. We look at that and we think this is what success means. Mm. Do you get me? I don't know whose fault that is. I'm not putting the blame yeah, on anyone, yeah. but I'm just saying that that's just how we look at it. Like that's success. That is success. If it is a black person that is signing a deal and there's a bunch of black people around, I could promise you at a point, some people would be like, what kind of riffraff thing is this? Like, <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, oh, right, you signed a deal. Like what? What? An independent deal? Yeah. Instantly, you think it's in. It couldn't be a major. It's been. Yeah, it's got to be like. It's got to be a little bit more down there. And firsthand, I've seen artists like there was one particular artist, and I've seen this a bunch of times. But this one particular artist is about to sign this deal, and he's screaming. He, he's so adamant that he needs this one particular guy who so happened to be a Jewish guy to manage him. And I'm like, why? Yeah. Like why? He's a big manager, mm. but why? What is it that you feel that he could do for you that this Don can't do for you? Oh yeah, but you know, these men got secret handshakes and these men can do this in the courtroom and these men not. And it's like, bro, like seriously, bruv. Like mm. this guy who's like been working his ass off to get you to where you are could actually really do it. Yeah. And, and on top of that, that guy proper cares about you. Yeah. Proper cares about, but in our minds, we just feel like, you know what, now we just, they, they, over there, they do it prim and proper. So, what he was just trying to say is, is that, it's great that Stormzy's manager is his mate. Yeah. It's great that Stormzy, because once upon a time, people are like, I could, maybe even now, he would have to talk, I don't want to talk for him, but it wouldn't surprise me if earlier on, there were people that were trying to gin in this situation, yeah, like, of course. you're the chosen one, bruv, why are you mm. going, like, no, you don't need him as your manager, you need this guy. Yeah. You know what I mean? And those are the, the things that we have with that are embedded in our minds subconsciously in our in our community. Yeah. And that's going been going on for years. The cycle's breaking now. And again, that goes to the whole point. The cycle's breaking. So yeah, anyway, I was really upset that that got lost in translation. And a lot of people were saying to me, Oh yeah, like it's in the newspaper and that but I'm like, that don't feel good. Mm. It doesn't feel good that we've had somebody on our podcast and you're getting a, a demographic of people that are uh, um, pointing negative energy towards him and taking it completely out of context because when you read it it looks mad yeah, yeah when yeah. you listen to it it doesn't sound as bad at all but you know now you know he's gonna he's gonna lose opportunities from that that's yeah. crazy to me this guy has been two things this guy has been prim and proper pretty much his whole career he's been on TV he's never taken a step he's never taken a step foot or foot out of line in his whole career he's a nice guy a genuine nice guy yeah been on TV for a long time and he's gonna lose opportunities but also secondly he spoke for like the first half an hour maybe even 35 minutes of the podcast he spoke about a woman called Anna Scher or something like uh, that who was yeah, a yeah, Jewish the, woman yeah. who was like so yeah. instrumental to his career yeah. so it's like he said this but nobody's actually paid attention to the fact that he spent a quarter of the podcast just like talking about someone who was from there that was very important and integral in his yeah. career and like it actually hurt a little bit man I, it hurt because I felt like oh, maybe was there something that I could have done to to avoid that, but um, yeah, I, I I messaged him a bunch of times and just said to him, bro, you know what? Like, 
it's one of them things don't let that put mm. you off having conversations with people or anything yeah. like that and you know you're a good guy you know what I mean It at some point people will see that it was yeah. a little bit of a mis- you could have the wording could have been a bit different yeah the wording could have been a bit different but what you said I don't in my opinion had a lot of truth to it yeah I think I think you've hit the nail on the head really like even from a listener's perspective like I went through the exact same emotions you did in terms of I listened to the podcast and I stepped away from it feeling so like uplifted and so like full of like a buzz because the conversation was just amazing throughout yeah. from beginning to end and even hearing that part of the conversation went over my head like mm. it didn't it, it didn't it didn't come across as like a a slur mm. it came across as like actually if you look at the construct of what he was talking about was that thing of empowerment of young black men exactly. who are doing amazing things with exactly. their friends in a business environment yeah. and thriving yeah. and he wasn't you know talking shit on anyone else yeah. he was actually just empowering that exactly. but the whole conversation was like that exactly and it was just very unfortunate that it got picked up on in yeah. such a I think it intimidates people sometimes if I'm being honest with you I think that like when sometimes people project like a black empowerment it 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 intimidates people and it makes some people feel like oh you know but what about me like and it's like we one of the reasons why you have this is because one of the reasons why you have this is literally because of um, how much of a backstep we've had how the how like the structure has been in society and how much of a backstep we've had and how much of a um, how much things have gone against us in terms of how things have um, worked society society wise yeah. for us so when you know you have like some of these guys that's actually really doing their thing but you have people that come out and say yeah like you're trying to give like real black empowerment it gets lost in translation for yeah. some people because they look yeah. at it like well what about us it's like you know the whole black lives matter thing and yeah. people are like oh but all, all lives matter, matter. Yeah. And it's, it's like you missed the whole point in yeah. that do you get yeah. me of course yeah, yeah, of course but we're saying ours too yeah because of the way that things are happening right now, it doesn't feel like it is. Exactly. But that's their issue. I do have a thing where I do feel that sometimes over, it's a different conversation, but I do feel like over here, we do bring over some of America's issues and make it ours and we start screaming and shouting about some of their issues when it's not yeah. really ours too much. Yeah. It's okay. But that's a different conversation. Yeah, I think, yeah, a lot of that again boils down to the, everything's a lot more, the lines are a lot more blurred in sense of like, this is what's happening in America, this is what's happening here. Mm. Because the cultures, you know, predominantly through, I guess, the connection with music, funnily mm. enough, are so close, mm. that the things we see on Instagram, the news that we see on Twitter and whatever, yeah. it feels like <coughs> the world's a lot smaller than, yeah, yeah. than what it used to be back in the yeah. day. And don't get it twisted, we definitely have our problems. Oh, 100%. We have, we, we got big problems here. But some of our problems are, are different to theirs, and some of their problems are just different to ours. You know, but um, yeah, black empowerment I do feel definitely intimidates some people, mm. and with the Reggie thing, I kind of see exactly how that got lost in translation. But I also see that like it's almost a way to distract people from how positive yeah. that conversation was and what it actually the message that he was trying to send. Yeah, you know, because now some people don't see that. Yeah. And it's crazy because I, I think I've met Reggie maybe once and he wouldn't have a clue who I am. 
But after that conversation, I felt compelled to reach out to him. I DM'd him. Mm. I said, "Yo, Reggie." I literally started the message with, "Yo, Reggie, I'm not even sure if you're gonna read this, but I listened to that podcast interview and it was amazing. Keep doing your thing. You're such an inspiration." Da 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 da. And that's how powerful it was. Mm. And then it just got completely like mm. misconstrued through one, you know, free yeah. word phrase or whatever. Of course, it's crazy, isn't of it? Of course. Um, all right, so oh, on that note, <laughs> I got a couple last questions for you. Um, actually, three. Um, what's the toughest challenge you've ever had to face, either in your career or just general in life? Rejection. And how did you deal with it? Rejection is like the toughest thing um, to face because, especially when you feel like, well, I'm doing something really good, and then, and then you just get rejected in whichever way, um, and that's a tough thing to deal with. And I think for me, I think it's just having the understanding that like that's actually just part of life. Mm-hmm. Do you know what I mean? Like you. Uh, there's going to be times where things are just not going to go your way or there's going to be times where people just don't see your vision if you if you believe in what you are doing so passionately go harder m- convince them like make them see yeah find a way find a way that's my thing find a way um but at the time yeah obviously it feels shit but again I'm very solution based so if I if I get rejected, if I reach out or something happens and I get rejected, I just think about, okay, cool, that's happened. Yeah. So what am I going to do now? Well, what what am I going to do to ultimately reach the goal or get what it is that I want or whatever? And I just think about the next thing instead of dwelling on the rejection. Because yeah, yeah. at one point I dwelled on, on rejection and then it started to consume my whole energy and how I even my whole outlook on life mm. do you get me because it could do a lot rejection can do a lot for you a lot to you but yeah um, I think for me I think it's like harnessing being the solution based person and just thinking okay cool it's not the end of the world like something's gonna something's gonna happen and again for me which is maybe a slightly different but I saw someone else um, say something almost similar to this year but like and I genuinely mean this but Bro, I am work. I do a lot of stuff myself, and or with a small team. Yeah, and it's not easy. It's hard. There's like a lot of ups and downs in this thing, and you know, it can be there's it can be really challenging and it can be upsetting. But you know what? I wake up genuinely every day. I wake up and I think today actually could be the day that things change. Yeah. Like every, because I'm so convinced, yeah. I don't know what's gonna happen, but I know that there's a bigger thing for me, and I'm so convinced that it's there, and that I'm working towards it. I don't know what it is, but I wake up every day, and I think, yeah, today, today actually might be the day. I might get a, a, a phone call, or I might see someone, mm. like something might happen. Yeah, you know, and I hold on to that, and I know I'm just very convinced that something bigger is gonna happen if I just keep doing what I'm doing yeah. you know? true, and it will be all worth it yeah it's a end. true sense of purpose isn't it and knowing that you're on the right path and you you roughly know where the destination is you yeah. just don't quite know the exact route you're going yeah, to get together yeah I don't know the route yeah, it's like when you route. use like yeah. a you know maps on your phone it gives yeah, you yeah. like three or four different right, routes yeah, to get yeah. to the, it's that you yeah. just don't I know don't know if the left turn's coming or the right turn's coming or there's a roundabout or there's traffic I don't know 
but I'm gonna get there. Yeah. I'm gonna get there. Mm. I'm gonna get there. Is it, so, is it is it that sense of certainty that keeps you going with it? Yeah, definitely. Yeah. yeah um, I think like it's just that it's just me feeling like it's. I think it's a lot of work as well because I've been doing it for so long, and now I found my happiness again, and I found something that I really enjoy, and p- other people are starting to like it as well. I'm starting to see that other people are taking to it. I realise, yeah, like, I'm I'm onto something. I don't know what it is that it's going to lead to or whatever, but, like, if I just keep focusing on bettering what it is that I'm doing and just having conversations and DJing and playing music and the all of these different things, all of these different components are going to come together and something's going to happen. All I need to... Also, another thing that I need to focus on is just to make sure that whatever it is that I say whether it be on camera or even to you that I mean it yeah. that it comes from a good place yeah. and that uh, some of the stuff that I'm saying or if not all of it I can back it up if I need to yeah, yeah. and after that whatever happens needs to happen yeah. you know just I mean? sick and, and I think I, a lot of what you've just said is so true man like just everything it's just what I think once you find that purpose and it's it's not an easy thing to do to be able to find it, but once you do and you're yeah. so laser focused on it, yeah, like it doesn't matter how you do what you do, no. as long as you're enjoying it, yeah, yeah. as long as you're you're feeling that sense of like self fulfillment. Yeah. Also, I think for me a really powerful thing that comes out of my podcast is that I'm able to give back to people. Yeah, definitely. I'm able to take the advice that you've just given and the, the some of the knowledge you've just passed on. Mm and give it back to people Definitely. and help them <coughs> to try and implement that Definitely. themselves and I think that's for me that's a real core mm. like value in what I do mm. um, yeah same exactly the same like I love the fact that they, like there's young people that are learning from conversations that we're having and I love the fact that I'm learning from it too mm. as well because that that is important to me but you know we I have ups and downs just like anyone else bro you know what I mean? Sometimes I wake up and I'm a bit demotivated. Do you know what I mean? Sometimes things can be a bit long. Mm. Sometimes like I'm planning something and this doesn't come through and that don't come through or whatever. These things happen. But you know what? It's life. I can't dwell on the things that are not hap- that's not happening. Yeah. I have to focus on the things that are happening and the things that I can make happen. Yeah. Those are the key things. Those are the, anything else that I'm doing is a, anything else other than that can be a distraction because then I'm just hanging around in here when I could be doing this over there. Yeah, yeah. Do you know course. what I mean? And then, all right, so if we if we could wind back the clock, okay, and you could speak to a younger version of yourself, what three bits of advice would you give yourself to start doing, and what one bit of advice would you give yourself to stop doing? If I was talking to a younger me, yeah. I would have got myself to focus a bit more earlier. Because yeah. if I'm being honest, I wasn't like, you know, you know, like I had a stage in my life where like I was just not, obviously I love music and all of that stuff, but I weren't really doing anything. I was just fucking around. So I think I would have focused a lot earlier. I think it's sick actually when I meet people that are like 18, 19 years old doing work experience or working at a label or do, hanging around with, like I work, like I was doing it a little bit later. So I would mm. do that earlier. I would I would have saved earlier. Yeah. You know, cuz when you're self-employed, it's different. If you're working for a company, it's cool, like you know what I mean, you get a pension and you do all of these things. Like my I've worked for 
a company because I worked for a uh, I did a short period of time at a music management company I was there for like a year and a half or whatever maybe two years yeah and until I left I was busy just doing DJ and stuff but other than that I've been self-employed do you get what I'm saying so on that basis I would have saved earlier yeah because I think that is very important to have that safety net um, if you can do it now I tell my little brother all the time yeah, I'm like bro listen you're 17 years old yeah if you can just open up a next account yeah, yeah, yeah. and just just little bits just flinging little bits yeah, of dough yeah, yeah. and that because see when you come to 35 and that yeah or 30 or even in your 20s and you know boom uh, you've got a little bit of change there you've got some savings there but you've got another account you don't even know what's in there mm. that and you're self-employed Listen, yeah. trust me, you're good. So that is definitely something that I, I, I would have done. And nothing else. Mm. Literally nothing else. I would have just focused earlier, focused earlier, and I would have saved earlier. And one thing to stop doing? One thing that I would have stopped doing. Um, what when I, if I was speaking to a younger me? What would I have stopped doing? I probably would have just said the opposite of... Like, I went through a stage where I was not doing nothing, yeah. like, really. Just, you know, I was just fucking around. Yeah, I was just, yeah. like, me and my brethren was fucking around and that, not really doing too much. And, I, again, I would have just stopped doing that. Mm. I would have stopped doing that. Obviously, have fun. There's ways of having fun and being productive in yeah, that as yeah. well. So cool. Yeah, man. Those would have literally have been yeah. things that I'm Nice, they're good. And then, last question. What, for you, is your ultimate happiness goal? What is my ultimate happiness goal? This is weird that you, that you ask the question like that. Because if you said to me, what is my ultimate goal? Do you know what I would have said? Right. Happiness. Genuinely. Really, yeah. Genuinely. Like, you can't put a price on that. Seriously, bro. Like, you just can't even put a price on that. And going through a stage where... I know that people have gone through way worse than me. But going through the stage of, like, really being down, yeah, and, like, just not being happy at all, yeah, and then, fi- and then finding happiness again or working towards it again makes me realise how important it is and like there's loads of different things that can happen in my life that makes me happy for example doing a podcast and having a sick conversation makes me happy when I help someone else these things make me happy but in the long run in the end I just want to be able to just be happy bro. Mm. seriously Yeah. I just want to be able to be happy you can have all of the money in the world it doesn't particularly mean that you're going to be happy. I'd like to believe that it will, because yeah. I would like to have a lot of that too. But if it doesn't, I'd rather not have it. If 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 it meant that I was going to get loads of money, but I was going to be ten times worse than I was when I was down, fuck that shit, bro. Yeah, yeah, of course. Seriously. So the ultimate goal is to be able to be able to keep a smile on my face, be able to, um, you know, help the people around me. Um, I just give good advice, good advice, and just talk to some some people about things that like would help help set them up mm. for their future or whatever yeah. it is, and then yeah, and yeah, 
As long as I'm happy, that's just the main thing. Yeah. So that's amazing, man. Like it sounds like you're really on that path, which, like for me, is Bruv, incredible to see for anyone. All the time. I mean? I'm so, like, when I speak to people, like people that I'm good with, like some of my 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 best. I'm so happy with like my friendship groups as well. Like mm. all my friends are doing very well in their life, but we always sit down and we have conversations about stuff. And I'm always asking them, and they always ask me. I'm like, are you happy? Like, let's talk about that. Do you get yeah, me? Like yeah. we like. Man are not too gangster to talk about these yeah, things, bro. Like, let's talk about that. Like, are you happy? The real what, stuff. Yeah, like, like, are you happy? Like, yeah. what's not making you happy? Let's talk about it. Like, what can we do together? Can we, can we as friends like start something together? Can mm. we get how yards together? Can we? What can we do together? Mm. Do you know what I mean? Make this thing even more certified. You know, these are the things that make me happy. And I, I, I just want, I'd love everyone around me to be the same way. But it's hard. And the reason why I emphasise it so much is because I'm of the belief, yeah, that I think 80% of people, 85% of people are just not happy mm. and don't know why. And literally don't know why. I think a lot of it comes down to not doing the things that make you happy. Yeah. Like people are doing jobs because they get paid well and they yeah. can buy the nice things. But ultimately, like you said, those things aren't making them happy. No. And that puts you in a, in a rut and a hole yeah, and until you start to, to find okay actually I'm really passionate about this doing this really makes me happy and you start yeah. to do that more regularly yeah. or this person when I'm in their company makes me happy Yeah. and you do that more regularly of course you, you'll never get on that path this is another thing it's like having it's like people that you have around you like identify the things that are not that take away from your happiness me I, I, I identify them things this person this person energy is not good for me mm they might not even be a bad person. It might just be the fact that I just, the things that they say just really, really wind me up. Yeah. Do you get me? Or I, like, I just, I don't agree with anything that they say. Mm. And that's affecting me, do you get me? But this person who's like someone I've grown up with for years and my friend or whatever, when I'm around, we don't even have to chat. We don't even have to chat. Mm. We could just sit there and just not even do nothing. Yeah. But that energy makes me feel good. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? And so I, I literally I push myself to that yeah. I push myself to that if you come anywhere near my life you have to you can't detract anything from my happiness if you do then I'm, I'm out of that yeah. you know what I mean Keep I'm, away, I'm, yeah, I'm, yeah. I'm not on that man yeah. so yeah man well listen man thank you for the time like mm. being very very amazing like interesting yeah, like, yeah. insightful chat so I'm, I'm pleased we got to do it. Yeah, this is sick, man. Music. Yeah, so, I enjoyed that. Um, before we wrap up, can you let people know where they can find you online, where they can check out the podcast yeah. and anything else? So yeah, all my social media is Chucky Online. It's all Chucky Online. Um, yeah, I'm D- if you can find out where I'm DJing and all that stuff, find my, my socials. Um, and if you want to book me for DJing, then you can find me somehow. And then, yeah, my podcast is youtube.com forward slash Chucky online if you want to watch it on YouTube. But it's on all podcast apps. So if you type it, whatever, then Spotify. Mm. But if you so if you type in Half Past Podcast in any podcast app, it, comes up, it will come up. Sick. So, yeah, subscribe, check that out. Yeah. Well, keep doing your thing, man. Like, I, Safe, you bro, know, you too. I, I see it from a distance and just everything about it is just incredible so keep it up safe bro you you're, too, you're on that path you'll get yeah. to you'll get to that end goal yeah as long as I'm but happy exactly as long as, as, long as I'm happy, happy. 
So there we have it, guys. That's Chucky's story. And as I said at the start, you know, amazing, amazing chat. And I think particularly that last 20 minutes or so, there's some real key messages to take from there about overcoming challenges, about how to use them to help push yourself forward. And, you know, everything that he's done in his career has led him to this point. And, you know, he's got himself into a place, a headspace where he's happy. And for him, that's the most important thing. And he wants to make sure he continues that going forward. And for me, that's a powerful, powerful message within itself. And hopefully you can use some of those tips and some of that wisdom, apply them to your own lives. I know I certainly will. And if you did like what you hear, or if you've got a friend who you think might like to hear Chucky's story or might be inspired by it, make sure you share that with them, share the link, get the love out there. Let's spread the word. And thanks again for listening. If you want to leave a review on iTunes, you can head over to the iTunes page, search Dreamers Disease. Leaving reviews is powerful for me because it allows me to connect with you and see what you guys like, don't like about the podcast. And you can also hit me up on Instagram and Twitter at I am Alex Manzi with any questions, anything you want to talk about, feel free to hit me up and I will see you guys next time. This podcast is produced by Unedited.